Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Only for this one lesson. And so last week we got into some of that. This week I want to read to you very quickly from the book of Matthew chapter 5. And beginning in verse 43. Matthew 5 and 43. Jesus says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which spitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others, not even the publicans so? This last verse I want you to pay very close attention to because he says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. And I know many of you have heard before where, you know, people will say that God never asked us to be perfect. That's, according to this scripture, that, that changes things, don't it? Because he does ask in the scripture, be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. May God and his blessing to this word today, and you may be seated in his presence. Thank you for standing with me and worshiping with me. I'm probably not going to teach very long today as we have... It's Friends Sunday, so it, a lot of people are coming, a lot of guests and visitors. So we want to give ample time for everybody to get in, get set up, and, um, and we're going to have a great time today. It's going to be awesome. But I want to walk you through this today. Um, <clears throat> in Matthew 5, um, we, we have read, and it's a, it's a very famous chapter, even though you may not know it's famous, but if you know the Beatitudes, the, the, the lesson about... Blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they, blessed are they. That all comes from Matthew 5, and we talked about that last week. And then he goes into that ye are the salt of the earth. You are a city set upon the hill, and what good is salt if it's lost its savor? It's good for nothing but to be tread upon. And then in verse 17 of chapter 5, Jesus makes a shift, and he says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law. I haven't come to destroy what has already been written. I have not come to destroy the law. But he says, I came to bring it to pass. I came to fulfill it. I came to give you the full episode of the law. You, you, you have sayings, but I have understanding. And so when, when Jesus makes this shift in verse 17 of Matthew 5, when he changes his concepts from, uh, when he shifts from um, the law and the prophets, he begins to break down these little nuances. And he says to them, you heard this, but I say this. 
You heard that you shouldn't touch a woman who isn't your wife. I'm telling you that if you even think about it, you've done it. He said, you, you heard that you shouldn't murder someone. He said, but I'm telling you, if you even hate your brother, you've already committed murder. And he continues this concept as he's taking the law and the prophets and fulfilling that law. He, he's showing us the fulfillment of that law. This is how that law is played out in your life. Here, here's the law. Here's the practical application of that law. It's, it's not just picking up a weapon and actually physically murdering someone, but it's also holding hate in your heart against said someone. And so from verse 17 on, Jesus in, the, in, in this book of, of Matthew chapter 5, from verse 17 on, Jesus is solely focused on the fulfillment of different laws. He, of course, he doesn't go through every law. He, he doesn't break down every single law they have because at this time they have over 1,800 individual laws for people. You know, can't do this, can't do that, shouldn't do this. Uh, you know, you shouldn't look at a horse dead in the eyeball. Uh, you know, you shouldn't wear a nail in your shoe on the Sabbath day. You shouldn't, I mean, there's a bunch of laws that they have. And so he's, he's saying, I didn't, I didn't really come to destroy all that. What I came to do is to bring understanding. I came to bring I came to fulfill that law. It, it needs to be fulfilled in your hearing today. So as he's breaking this down, he, you know, he goes through a lot of stuff. He said, he said, don't even be angry with your brother. And he, he goes through all this. Then he says, as he's getting to the end of this whole concept, he ends this whole session of fulfilling the law with this statement. He said, you've heard, or, you know, it is written, you've heard, that you should love your neighbor, but you should hate your enemy. He's saying, but I say to you that you should love your enemies. I mean, imagine hearing this for the first time. Imagine you're standing there that day. You're sitting on the side of the mountain. Jesus is surrounded by thousands of people, and he's already been chopping away at everything you believe. Everything you believe, he is systematically chopping it away. He's not destroying it. He's fulfilling it. He's not, get, he's not taking away meaning of it. He's bringing more meaning to it. He's not making it easier for you. He's making it harder for you. See, Jesus is fulfilling the role in this moment. He's fulfilling this role in this moment. He's fulfilling the role of a rabbi. A rabbi to the Jews is a teacher of the law. Every rabbi has their personal view of the law. You go back in Jewish culture, you will see that every rabbi would have their personal interpretation of the law. So they would have the law which is written. That rabbi would say, this is very common. What Jesus is doing right now is actually very common amongst rabbis because rabbis would say, hey, here's what the law says. Now here's how you should live that out. This is what that means. This is, this is how this operates. His opinion Guess what his opinion is called in the Jewish culture? Anybody know what it's called? Your rabbi's opinion of the law has a name. The Jews call it something. Whatever your rabbi's opinion is, is called a yoke. So your rabbi reads the law, he interprets that law to you as an individual, and you would say to someone, I'm under the yoke of rabbi so-and-so. This is why Jesus will say to Jewish people, take my yoke upon you. 
Take, take my yoke, take my teachings on you. Learn of me. This is why he's saying learn of me. Like, 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 like what does a yoke, how, how can I learn from a yoke? But he's not thinking about a wooden yoke that is just a burden. What he's saying is if you take my teachings on you and you learn of me, you will see that I am meek and I'm lowly in heart and you shall find rest under my yoke. My yoke is going to give you rest because my yoke is not going to burden you with hatred for other people. But my yoke, my teachings are going to, they're going to liberate you because my teachings are full of forgiveness. He, he says to these people that have never heard this before, you shouldn't hate your enemy, you should love your enemy. This is a foreign concept to them. They've never heard this before. They've never heard a rabbi interpret these scriptures because what he's doing is he's not even interpreting. He's flipping them on their heads. He's taking the whole law and he said, I came to fulfill the law. And he's flipping these concepts and he says, you, you've heard it written. You've seen it. You've heard it said. You've been taught that you should love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say you should love your enemy. Not only that, you should bless them that curse you. Not only that, you should do good unto people that hate you. Not only that, you should pray for the people that despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you may be children of your Father which is in heaven. You want to be a child of God? Love someone that hates you. Don't just love them, but bless them. Don't just bless them, but do good things for them. And don't just do good things for them, pray for them. Because it's easy for me to stand right here right now and say, oh, I, you know, I, I love those people. I know they hurt me, but I love them. But when the opportunity arises for me to either do good or do bad, and I choose good, now, and only now, can I say I'm a child of God. Now and only now. Because it's easy to say one thing, but am I going to do good or am I going to bless or am I going to pray for? Am I going to bless, Lord, bless them, bless their future, bless their jobs, bless their finances, bless their children? Even though I know they hate me, Lord, bless them. It's hard for a lot of us to hear this. And most of us have heard it before. Imagine having never heard this kind of concept. And Jesus is telling them that this is the way. He said, because if you love them that love you, what's, what's the reward of that? I mean, even the publicans can do that. Do you know what a publican is? Anybody know what a publican is? Right, so let me, tell you, let me, let me explain to you what a publican is. A publican is the most hated person in Jerusalem. I mean, it's like the lowest of the low. A publican is a Jew who's employed by the enemy. He's a, he, he's a Jew who's working for the Romans. He's basically in politics. He is the guy the Romans have in place to run the Jews. They need a Jew to run the Jews, so they hire a Jew to run the Jews, and that guy is a publican. And don't nobody... Like that guy. He's like, listen, if you love 
if you just love people that love you, I mean, then you're no better than a publican. They're like, hold up, you're not going to call me that. <laughs> well, then you're no better than that. You're no better than that. He said, and if you salute only them that salute you, I mean, even the publicans do that. I mean, I mean, you're no better than that. But verse 48 is where he probably captures the entire crowd as he captures us today in our, in our hearing is when he says, be ye therefore perfect. Time out. I, I can't be perfect. What do you mean be perfect? Be ye therefore perfect even as your father which is in heaven is perfect. Be perfect. How, how do I get to perfection? Well, when you look this word up, perfect, is what the word means. It means two things. It means complete and it means mature. So what he's saying is, you should be mature like your father in heaven is mature. You should act like an adult. Like your father in heaven is an adult. You should, you should come to some kind of completeness. See, this is what the word of God does for us is it matures us. It, it, it grows us up. Because that is grown-up talk when you talk about loving people that hate you and caring for those who don't care for you. That's grown-up talk. Kids don't do that. They don't understand that concept. A lot of teenagers don't either. It's hard. You know why? Because there's not a level of maturity yet. I know there's a lot of parents in this room, and it is, there's nothing more frustrating to try to get your child to understand a grown-up concept at the age of like 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. Because in their mind, because this is what culture tells them, is they're grown. They know everything. They got it all together. You, 30-something, 40-something, you know for sure, for a fact, without a doubt, you are lost as a turtle in a 40-acre pond. You don't know what you're talking about. You have no clue, actually. And you're not going to know. There's no way to actually explain this to you. It, without living it out, there's no way to make this make sense to you. Because your frontal cortex isn't even fully developed yet, won't be till you're 25. That's why you can't rent a car. Right? That's why you're going to pay double in insurance until you're 25. Right? Because scientifically speaking, your frontal cortex, where is you get the ability to make rational decisions, is not fully developed until you're 25. So even the world knows we're not going to give these people. The only thing we'll do before you're 25 is we'll put a gun in your hand and we'll train you to be a killer so we can control your frontal cortex at some point. So you can join at 18, that's a perfect time for them because then they get to develop the rational decision making and by the time you're 25, they say jump, you say how high? No questions asked. So what Jesus is saying is that you need to grow up, you need to mature. You need to, be, you need to have some kind of completeness, have some kind of maturity in your life so you can make rational decisions. Be you perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. He goes on, 
in Matthew chapter 6. We're changing chapters, but we're not changing lessons. Okay? This is a different chapter, but it's not a different lesson. Matter of fact, there is no break in it. It's continually, be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. You should do your best to love your neighbor and love your enemy. Love them that spitefully. You should do your best to love people, and you should also do your best not to try to impress people. It's so good because we are living in that social media world where our love for people is really not love for people. It's our love for acceptance of people. Ain't nobody want to talk back to me on an early Sunday morning. It's not really that we love people. It's that we love people that love us. And so we try our best to do our alms before men so that people will think we're awesome. Because we're, we're in love with people. Even people that say, I don't care. I'm like, nah, bro, you care. I know you care because I follow you. And you care a lot. I don't care what people think. Yeah, 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 you do. Matter of fact, that attitude that says I don't care what people think is a way to make people think about you a certain way so that people think, oh, he's cool because he don't care. You follow me? You follow me? It's like one time I was in the airport and I was walking to the airport and I saw this guy walking in the airport and he was just so like, he was so like discombobulated, like rough looking, like he, all of his clothes was just like, I don't know. He looked like he had just woken up, like he went to bed with all of his clothes on, slept a good 12 hours solid, just got up, threw the covers back, didn't do his hair or nothing, and, and just came to the airport. Like his clothes was missing the vital, uh, vital minerals, iron, you know. His iron deficiency on his clothing. And as I'm standing in line, as I'm standing in line in the airport, and I try not to judge people, but I'll be judgy sometimes. I'm not going to talk back to me today because you think you know. You judgy too, all right? Don't, don't look at me. Don't look at me like I'll be judgy sometimes. I'll be judgy. And I'm standing in line, I'm like, man, this guy looks like he just need to be ironed. Like, I just want to say, excuse me, sir, can I just iron your clothes? But when I kind of got to looking, like, I noticed that there was product in his hair. And I kind of noticed that everything actually kind of matched. And it hit me. He ain't lazy. He doesn't not care. He, he organized this. He organized this outfit to look this way. He put product in his hair to make it look as though he's disheveled. This is a disheveled look. And it takes time and effort and energy to pull off what this guy's pulling off. You poser. You, the outfit you're wearing is telling me, like, I don't care. But the fact that it took you a long time to put that outfit together lets me know that you care. We see this in our society. Do, don't do your arms before men. 
Otherwise, ye have no reward from your Father which is in heaven. We struggle with acceptance of people. We struggle to love people that don't love us, love people that hate us. But at the same time, we also struggle because we love people so much that we want affirmation from every corner. And if we don't get enough likes and we don't get enough affirmation, we do more in public to gain that. Our value systems have flipped in our society today, and we want to do all of our arms before men. This is why no one can do anything really great for God without posting it. That's why if we're going to go overseas and do emissions trips, like we, we're going to pack clothes, we're going to pack goodies and all that, but we bring in the cameras as well. Because we want everyone to see what we did. I'm, I'm talking to all of us right now. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not up here. I'm not trying to bash anybody. Be, be, please understand. I'm not trying to bash anybody. I'm trying to, I'm trying to show you that Jesus knows exactly where, see, in his day and time, there was no social media. So what people would do is when they came into the tabernacle and it was, when they came into the tabernacle and they would give alms, they would make a big deal about of it. Yeah. He said in verse 2, watch what he says. He says, therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee. Ba, ba, da, ba. Here I am to save the day. All my money. Look, I have to bring. I got all these people coming in with all this, all these gifts for the Lord. Look, look at all of it. Let's, you know what? We should, we should be excited about this. We should blow a trumpet. We should have dancers. We should just. We should make a big scene so that everybody knows. Oh, he's got money. Oh. Look at her. Isn't she just so awesome for God? This is not a testimony time. Don't sound a trumpet as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. He said, don't even, go, go a step further than keeping it from other people, but find a way to keep it from your own self. Yeah. This is why I have trouble with who's giving this, who's giving that. Stand up. Tell us how much you're giving, brother. I don't think it's ever happened in this church, and praise in and, and, and Jesus' name it never will. You give what you give. You give what you give. It's not for me. It's for the Lord. It's as unto the Lord. It's not for anybody else. It's as unto the Lord. When you do your alms, don't do them to have glory of men. Because if you do it for the glory of men, you're going to have your reward. And let me tell you something about the glory of men. It is fast fading. The glory of men will be snatched out from underneath you so fast. Everybody loves you, good job, buddy. But let me tell you, everybody will hate you this time tomorrow. Oh, yeah, Jesus knows all about the glory of men. We're about to step into that season here in just a couple weeks where on, in, on, on one Sunday or, or once, uh, on one Lord's Day, they cried, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. And seven days later, they cried, 
give us Barabbas and crucify him. You want that? Is that what you want? The glory of men? It's fast fading. The glory, you, you, if that's the reward you want, then that's the reward you'll get and it will be awful. Yeah. Let me tell you what the reward of men does. The reward of men will drive you insane. The reward of men will drive you to addiction. The reward of men, the glory of men, the reward of the glory of men will leave you broken. If you don't believe it, just look at Hollywood. Where every day it seems like someone's taking their life because the fame is too much. The fame is too much? You mean being popular is too much? Being being liked and loved is too much? Yeah. Because that reward is so fleeting. Don't do it before men. When you do your arms, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Hide it from yourself. That thine arms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Listen, you don't have to worry about being rewarded. You don't have to worry about anything being seen. If you will do your alms and see, and when I say alms, I'm not necessarily talking about just money. But I'm talking about your, your arms of skill, ability, life, goodness. When you do those things in secret, the Lord said, I'll, I'll reward thee openly. You give it to me in the darkness. What I give to you, I'll give it to you in the light. God, God said, if you will bring all those things that may make you famous to men, and you bring that to me in the darkness, if you bring that to me in the night, when, when I turn around to give you back a hundredfold or a thousandfold, I won't do that in the dark. God doesn't reward you in the dark. When God said, if you, if you will come to me privately and don't let nobody know, and you'll give to me in a private manner, when it's my time to give to you, I'll do it where everybody can see it. There's some folks in the room today, you know exactly how that feels because no one knows what you've done, no one knows what you said, no one knows the phone calls you've made, no one knows the money you've given, but everybody can see you're blessed. Everybody sees the blessing. Your children are blessed, you're blessed, your home's blessed, your businesses are blessed, your finances are blessed. Everybody can see it. You wear it well. The Lord's saying, I'll, that, that human need, that human desire that you have to be rewarded openly, you got to be careful with that desire because that desire will get you in trouble and make you do your alms openly. But I don't want you to do that. Do your alms privately, and then when it comes time for me to repay, I, rep I repay in the daytime. I repay in the sunshine. I let everybody see what I give back. I'm going to read this a few more scriptures. I'm going to be done today. And then he goes in, he talks about alms, but then he talks about prayer in verse 5. And he says, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. To be seen of men, that's their reward. They, they'll get it. But you, when you pray, enter thou into thy closet. 
And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which is in secret shall reward thee openly. Mm. It's a good word. He says, but when you pray, watch this. He said, when you pray, use not vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. This is, he's, he's talking to us about mantras and seances and He's talking to us about vain repetition. Like, don't you don't have to say the same thing over and over and over again in some kind of mantra like the heathen who, when they pray to their God, it's it's a it's a almost like a trance they get into. He said that you don't you're not going to get anything for that. He he he's telling us, don't pray blindly. Saying hallelujah, 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 ain't getting you nothing. It's not getting you anything. Don't be like him. Don't be like them who pray blindly, who think that they will be heard because they're just saying a lot of stuff over and over again, that they shall be heard for their much speaking. He said, don't be like them, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before you even ask him. He said, so after this manner pray ye, he said, don't have disorganized prayer, disorganized thoughts, coming to the Lord and not knowing what you need, not knowing what you're going to say and just speaking, talking, yelling, screaming, that's not getting anything done. When you come to the Lord in prayer, this is how you should pray. You should say, <clears throat> our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Simple. Look at your neighbor and tell him, simple. It's just simple. Listen, we can go to prayer conference if you want to. Or we could just read what Jesus said. We could try to spook it up if you want to. We can. We could try to, we can try to militarize it. If you want to. This is not in the Bible. It's not biblical. It's not. This is Jesus. God manifests in the flesh, telling us how to pray. And his prayer is a simple, thought-out, constructed concept. And it's a conversation with God. Lord, give me as I give. Protect me as I go. Lord, I give you authority and power in my life. You're the, you're the, you're the, you're, you're, you're the king of all. I give you authority and dominion over me. Matter of fact, I give you so much dominion over me. I want whatever you're doing in heaven, do it here. Like, 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 like whatever your will is in heaven, like let that will be lived out in me. <clears throat> and Lord, like give me today what I need. Because really all I need is what I need today. I'll come tomorrow and ask about tomorrow. But give me today my daily bread. Like, like just what I need today. You know, when I, listen, when I tell the Lord, give me today my daily bread, I'm letting him know I'm coming back tomorrow. 
when, when, when all I ask for, when all I ask for is for this moment, he knows he, he's planning on praying later. Some of us ask for everything in our life in one moment. And God ain't about to give you everything you need for in one prayer. It's not biblical. He said, I'll give you what you need today. It's a daily bread. It's a daily walk. It's a daily prayer. We know it's a daily prayer because it says daily in it. And forgive us what we did. And you did something. You did something. Forgive me, but, but, but not just forgive me. Forgive me as I forgive those that did me like I did you. And Lord, lead me not into temptation. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Don't, don't, don't let me walk into some stupidity today. Look, he didn't say, don't, don't let me walk into, you know, struggles and trials. He said temptations. Like, you're going to live in struggles and trials. Either you are in a trial or you just got out of a trial or you're about to go into a trial. But you're not going to have a life without trials. He said, he said temptations. Temptations, that's different. A trial is a season sometimes. But a temptation is a moment when the enemy will put a stumbling block in your way. He said, every day you need to pray, Lord, don't let me walk into temptation, but deliver me from evil. And I'm going to end this prayer by reminding you again, it's your kingdom. I'm yours. You got the power to do whatever it is you want to do. And you got the glory forever. Amen. It's, it's a simple prayer. It's a simple prayer. It is a steadfast prayer. You could change it up a thousand different ways, but that is the skeleton of the prayer. And, and that's a daily prayer. And we have other instances in the Bible when people prayed for different things. Elijah prayed a certain prayer, fire fell. He prayed seven times, water fell. Peter got thrown in prison. The church came together and they prayed. They prayed until the prison doors opened. All right, so there's different types of prayer in the Bible, but this is Jesus' concept of a daily prayer meeting. And he ends it by saying this. Verse 14 of Matthew 6. For if we forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The only thing that can stop the Lord from forgiving you is you stop forgiving people. That's it. That's the only thing that can stop God. God. God will forgive you forever, every day. Jesus tells us to pray for forgiveness every day because this is a daily prayer. So Jesus knows we're going to mess up, right? He, he understands. He understands that every day there needs to be a prayer of forgiveness. Paul will say this when he says, I die daily. And, and so we understand this concept where Jesus is telling us that every day we need to ask for forgiveness because every day is a new day. And, and I need to ask for forgiveness every day. So I know this is a daily thing. He knows I'm going to mess up. He's going to forgive me every day. Jesus plans to forgive us every day or he wouldn't have told us to ask for forgiveness every day. But the only thing that can stop him from forgiving us every day over and over again is that if we don't take time to forgive other people, he said, that's it. He said, if, 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 if you can't do that, then my father in heaven can't. Can't do this. 
And you can pray all you want to, but if you can't forgive, you can't be forgiven. Later on in the New Testament, Jesus would tell us a story of the man who owed so much. And, and, and the great leader forgave him of all the things that he owed. And then one of his servants came and said, hey, you know that guy you let go from all that millions of dollars he owed? Yeah. Well, his neighbor across the street owed him like 10 bucks. And he, he, he would not forgive his neighbor for $10. And he took him, and he took him to, the, to the courts. And they threw that man in jail and took his home from him. And he said, go get him, bring him here. He said, listen, because I forgave you of millions and you couldn't forgive your friend a $10 I say you owe me double. And I will send you to the prison and to the tormentors until you can pay it. And I'll cast you in the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So what Jesus is saying there is, if you can't forgive someone of their little offense that they did in your life, then all that stuff that he forgave you of, he's going to pull that back out. Hey. This is the longest lesson. This is Jesus teaching us. He's talking to us. This isn't, this isn't me teaching you. This is Jesus teaching us. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just repeating what Jesus said. This is what Jesus wants us to know. Throughout this lesson, you will see that most of what Jesus will talk about is really between me and you. As Jesus is teaching this, he will very rarely in this lesson bring up me and God. He brings up me and my brother. Because the true test of Christianity is not how I treat God. The true test of Christianity is how I treat other people. Amen. Would you stand with me? I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, Please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.